Hello and welcome. Welcome to the Hope Story Circle brought to you by the Peace Alliance and welcome to Peace On, your source for inspiring conversations and information from thought leaders across the spectrum on topics related to the strategies of building peace, fostering nonviolence, and creating a world that thrives, shifting our understanding toward empathy, compassion, and connection. My name is Terry Mason. I'm on the board of the Peace Alliance, and I'm joined, joined today to co-facilitate with Liz Gannon Graydon, who is our board chair, and my dog, who's barking in the background, and Yelena Popovich is our Teaching Peace in Schools lead. And our special guest today is Lloyd Gordon. Lloyd, can you come up mute and just say hello? Good morning. How is everybody? <laughs> I'm so happy you're here. Lloyd is a very dear longtime friend of mine, and he has a wonderful story to share, and I'm really excited about it. But first, Liz, can you share about our community events? I sure will. Welcome, everyone. And as we gather here this morning, I want to remind us all that the Peace Alliance holds the intention in our gathering to create a space that is welcome to all, learning, open conversation, and engagement. To that end, we ask that everyone be real be engaged and curious, be fully present to listen, create a space for learning, honor all points of view, acknowledge discomfort and allow room for healing. We will do our best to address microaggressions and marginalizing language. So to that end, we ask that everyone present act with empathy, compassion and a desire for connection. And we thank you for participating with us on this call. And if I could just get a sense if everyone kind of understands and agrees to the uh, community agreements, or if anyone has a question, we can discuss yes. that too. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, welcome everyone. And um, I invite our beautiful Yelena to lead us in a gathering meditation. Thank you, Liz. Thank you, Terry. Welcome, Lloyd. Welcome, everybody. Good to be with you. Yeah, so for today, I just want to invite us into just um, a meditation on just stopping. We are so going, going, going all the time. And this particular one is just to pause, stop, and just notice. Um, so however you find your body, whatever your body needs in this moment, any position of the body that feels comfortable, allow, invite that in. Uh, you may close your eyes or keep them slightly open and just allowing your spine to lift a bit. A sense of dignity, and relaxed awareness. Just for a moment, invite your shoulders to soften a bit. Perhaps as your shoulders soften, notice that your chest rises. So just begin by taking a full breath in. And a long breath out, your own pace, 
taking some breaths that feel just yeah, soft. Breaths that feel nourishing for you in this moment. Just allow just the simplicity of being and presence. You may notice thoughts, body sensations, sound. And my invitation is to just notice what it feels like to be alive in this moment. You notice your heartbeat. That's where you feel your aliveness. Maybe it's breath. Maybe your body is telling you, I gotta move, whatever it is. Taking a moment to stop and notice that. As we go through this time together to this story and throughout the day, the invitation is to practice this. Practice this before you speak. Practice stopping and pausing before you listen. Notice that shifts something in how you're present each and every moment. Thank you. Your practice I invite you as you wish to practice to move, take some breaths, and offer gratitude. Come back. Thank you, everyone. Welcome, Lloyd. You can start sharing your story. Hello. <laughs> Lloyd here. Um, as Terry mentioned, we're good friends. We're very dear friends. I've known her for many, many years. And we worked together in 1984 as performers. I started performing um, when I was 13 years old, and that was my career for the majority of my life. Um, I was an art major as a kid, and I used to go to the museum on my day off on Saturdays with my best friend, Carrie. That's what, what we would do. Um, 
and I am a native of Los Angeles. And I went to Fairfax High School, which was surrounded by antique stores. So when I would wander home, I would wander into these antique stores. Um, and I remember what I saw. So um, my mom had a friend who was a paralegal who specialized in probates. And when I was 17, she hired me to help her clean up a house of a couple who had passed away. Um, and she was throwing everything away. And I kept saying, this is a Bakelite pen from the 20s. This is a watercolor that's Italian and it's dated 1915. And I was telling her about all this stuff. I mean, this is Art Deco. And she went, you're 17. How do you know about this? And I went, I, I just do. Um, so she hired me at 17 to conduct an estate sale at a huge house in an area called Windsor Square, which was part of Hancock Park. It's a very, very wealthy neighborhood. It took me three months and that was it. And then I went off and I kept performing and graduated film school from UCLA. And about 10 years later, a neighbor passed away and I was talking to their kids. And I said, well, you know, I've, I've done this once before. So if you need some help, um, you know, I, I'd like to help you. And they said, we would love that. Um, and it was perfect timing because I was between plays. I would do like three plays a year. So I always had a little bit of downtime and that fit in perfectly. And after I was done, another neighbor said, oh my gosh, I lost my sister, my brother. Can you help me also? And that kept happening. And after two years, um, I finally went, I guess I should print up business cards. So now I have this company, which I've been doing for 37 years, where I conduct estate sales. And I felt very weird doing that as a business um, because I felt like an ambulance chaser. I didn't feel good about what I was doing. And in my mind, I envisioned um, Scrooge and a Christmas Carol when the ghosts of future took Scrooge to see his what was happening after he died and his housekeepers were stripping all the bedding off his bed and stealing things after they died. And that's what I felt like. I felt like I was those people. And a friend of mine said, no, you're, that's not what you're doing. They said, don't you understand you are helping people in a time of need? Um, and I never looked at it that way. And I am, to the, even though I don't remember who said that to me, I'm thankful to that person to this day because it totally changed how I perceived myself and my, my business and the service that I do. Um, and it's interesting having a, having a business that consistently deals with families who are dealing with loss. Um, and when I first started doing this, I called up a couple of companies that did it um, just to find out what they charged and how they did their business. And I used my, my own home as an example. And I said, my parents bought their house in 1959 and it's packed with stuff. And this woman goes, oh, we love that. And I was so taken aback that right after I told her my parents died, she would say, oh, we love that. That there's a lot of stuff in the house. And I thought, I don't ever, ever want to be that person. So anyway, so it's, it's interesting. Um, and I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, I, there was somebody who I had an association with in business um, and he passed away. And I had sent him a note to his partner who I was an acquaintance with. Um, and months later, he called me and he said, you know, could you come over and let's have a meeting? I need to do a sale. So I went over there and 
in 37 years of doing this, this was literally just a few months ago, um, I'd seldom met somebody who was so profoundly in grief over their loss. Um, and even though he was friendly and he was gracious and he smiled, um, that sense of heaviness and sadness just permeated our entire conversation. Um, and when I went home that afternoon, I was really depressed. I got so depressed. Um, he hired me, we did the sale, and after it was over, he thanked me. He said, I wanna thank you for making this so much easier for me. Um, and that's obviously very, very rewarding for me. Um, also, in spite of the situation, because I'm meeting people because for the most part, unless they're doing a moving sale, for the most part, I'm meeting people who've suffered a loss. So the circumstances under which I meet someone aren't great, um, but I end up becoming friends with these people. A lot of my clients, I'm friends to this day and we text each other and we say hello all the time when we get together. So that's, that's um, a, a cool part of it. Um, and people, there's two, there's two things, there's two sides to this as, as, a, as a business. One side are the families I represent whose whose collections, their lifetime collections of their family, I end up selling on their behalf. The other side are the people who come to buy. Um, and that's the whole subculture for the most part. Um, and the difference between going to an estate sale and going to an antique store at auction. If you go to a sale, to, to um, a store or you go to auction, there's no connection to the people who collected these items. Um, you don't know where it came from. Whereas when you go into someone's home where they lived for 45 or 50 years, and they raised a family, there's a lot of meaning there. I mean, these people are strangers, obviously. They don't know who the people they're buying from were. But to come in their house and see how they lived and see how these things lived within this environment and was a reflection of everything that person did who lived there and who passed away. Um, I did my own parents' estate sale, and my mom. Um, my mom and her parents were in an Italian concentration camp um, and they had sewn jewelry into their clothes. And, and after they uh, got out of the camp, they sold their jewelry to help get them to escape from the Nazis. Um, so my mom's family had, they were upper middle class before the war and after the war, they had nothing. Um, but my mom was raised with really fine things. She didn't understand fine things, but she understood fine clothing my mother would find the sale rack at Gucci's and she had amazing clothes. My dad, he knew design. And when my parents got married in 1949, they bought all Eames. They bought all mid-century furniture. Every single piece was a designer and they had no money. I went, how did you guys know how to do this? I would love to be able to ask my dad that. So people came into my folks house where I was raised. They bought it in 1959. And they'd look at my mom's clothes and they'd look at my dad's furniture. I mean, even their stainless flatware that they used every day. I looked it up on the internet the other day. It was Gio Ponti. It was this major Italian designer. So people came in and they looked at her clothes. They looked at my dad's furniture and they went, who were these people? And it was so cool to have everybody who came into my folks house admire who they were. And when I do an estate sale, people who come in to shop, that's one of the first things they say. They always go, who were these people? And they buy something from this person's life 
and they take it home and they cherish it and it becomes a part of their life. And the reason I brought up what happened with my mom, with the war and all of that, when I did their sale, um, I, we had some stuff that was my grandmother's. She had crocheted or knit two hats like cloches from the 1930s. And I kept one and one I was selling for 20 bucks. And this girl who was like 16 years old, she was in high school, she was with her mom and she wanted this hat. And she says, um, can, you, can you do any better than, than $20? And I said, no. I said, and I will tell you why. My mother and her mother, my grandparents, lived in a 400-year-old solid stone, three-story house with marble floors in Dubrovnik at the time, Yugoslavia. They lived up on the hill with a garden and a terrace overlooking the Adriatic. It's an amazing house. The Italians came and took them away, put them under guard in a hotel for six months, then dumped them on a freighter, shipped them to a concentration camp, an Italian camp, on an island in the northern Adriatic. And after the war, after they got out of the camp, they sold their jewelry and went down 16 different islands in the middle of winter, crossed the Adriatic and went to where the allies were. And I looked at this girl and I told her that story. And I said, and that hat went through all of that with my grandmother. So I am not gonna lower the price. I have to get $20 for it. And this girl's eyes got really, really huge. And she looked at her mother, she goes, mom, can I get this hat? And her mother went, yes. And that girl's gonna wear it to like high school, you know, with jeans and a t-shirt. Um, and she's gonna tell that story to her friends. So my grandmother's life lives on through her and through what she bought at the sale. And that's part of the reason why people go to estate sales because there's a connection. There's a connection with the, with the person who owned that. And that's what I do. I'm done. And you have embraced what you do, which is a beautiful thing. I do. I do. And my house is full of stuff. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Liz, um, what do you think for an inquiry? Yeah, I'm so thankful, Lloyd, for your story. And last night when we were preparing, I will just share with those of you on the call. Some of you can see it, some of you can't. Um, I had a grandmother that I was super close to and she was an amazing woman. She was in the Navy in World War One, and she came back and lived this fascinating life. But she's also the grandmother that taught me to bake and made my first communion dress. And she had some fine jewelry, as Lloyd said, and she also had really good costume jewelry. But when I was a little girl, when we would go out to lunch, she always dressed for lunch. She always dressed for lunch. And she almost, I just, maybe she didn't always wear this, but I remembered this necklace because the colors, I don't know if you can see it, were so beautiful. And even though it wasn't the fanciest of her jewelry, I loved it. And for a long time, I didn't wear any of her things, but I had it with me. And so after Lloyd spoke, I decided I need to wear my grandmother's necklace today because this one touchstone, I touched the stones and I remember a particular fancy tea she brought me to as a young girl. And I remember when she taught me to bake, I'll just tell this, this very little story, Lloyd, because it's what we, it's what the inquiry is going to be. Um, when she taught me to bake, when we were little, you taught me to bake, I would always try to leave a lot in the bottom so there'd be enough for us to lick the bowl. And she used to say to me, you're leaving half the 
batter in the bottom. And she showed me how to scoop it all out. So now every week when I bake, I just remember her. And that all comes back to me when I touch this one piece of jewelry. So the inquiry after Lloyd shared his story, what we were um, talking about last night is every one of us probably has something in our home that belonged to someone else that we know a story about. And even just looking at it or touching it or connecting it uh, connects us with a person uh, who is very special or who we know a very special story about. So as we invite you into the rooms, the what we invite you to discuss or, or think about as you contemplate Lloyd's story is, is there a story you would like to share in this circle in the room about just some object, right? That if someone just looked at it, they might say, oh, there's this object. Or not. Liz, you froze. Oh boy. You're, you're on mute. You're back, but you're on mute. Can you unmute yourself, Liz? Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, so okay. right as I was about to close off, something happened to the Wi-Fi. So anyway, just in case, I'll say this quickly. So we invite you to just, as you go into the to the uh, breakout room, to think of an object, but that contains a story of someone you would like to talk about in the room. So that's the inquiry. All right. Thank um, you, everybody. Thank you, Liz. All right. Um, as we go into the rooms, our agreements are to speak from your heart, to listen with your heart, to say just enough so that others have a chance to share and to keep confidentiality. Don't tell someone else's story when we come back together. Speak to the themes, you can tell your own story, but don't tell someone else's. So I'm gonna pause the recording and then we'll be back here in about 20 minutes. We're growing. Well, welcome back everybody. It's nice to see you. What's bubbling up? Lloyd, you look like you want to share one more thing. I always want to share one more thing. I know. Um, but um, all this, we were talking uh, a lot about teacups and, and the teacups have been handed down in people's families. Um, and I was doing an estate sale during COVID, mind you. And I came across this little cup. It was a Chinese blue and white cup. It was only like two inches tall, very small, no handle on it at all. And on the bottom, I actually, I, I printed this out. On the bottom, it had a little red sticky label that said, Hatcher Collection, Christie's, 1984. And I went, oh, well, that's really interesting because Hatcher, that might be some guy who had a, a major collection. It was a Chinese cup with a little dragon on it. Um, and I Googled Hatcher Collection. And the Hatcher collection was actually an auction at Christie's in Amsterdam in 1984. And they were auctioning the contents of a Chinese junk that sank in 1634. So this little teacup was at the bottom of the ocean for for 349 years, 349, this was at the bottom of the ocean. And we were selling it at my estate sale. Um, and it was only worth like 300 bucks. I should have bought it. Um, so talking about teacups. And that had a lot of meaning to the, to the couple who collected it. They bought it at auction in 1984. Of so, course. That's a great story. 
Would anybody else like to share anything before we close? I, I thought I'd share a quick thing and then had a question for Lloyd. Um, the, the subject of youth was coming up and like, how is this passed on to youth? Um, I, I do a lot of uh, circles with community building for young adults in the 18 to 24 year old age. And I'm always amazed at like, because I think it's not, I think sometimes people make the mistake with the technology boom of thinking that they don't care. And I, I think it's the, I think it's that uh, they're not given the opportunity because things are so much online. And when you have a space where the phones are down, um, there's this idea of an object share. Um, yeah, and I know you've done this a ton. Um, where And it's, you just have everyone bring in an object kind of like we're impromptu doing here that, that either has a story or is meaningful. And what was amazing to me where I really saw the power in this was one of the um, classes I ran had people, um, there was no cultural majority. It was really from all over the world. So it was two, two people from the Middle East, two people from China, two from India, two from South America, uh, three from the United States. And it, it just has an extraordinary ability to cross, I think, ages, cultures, races, um, because of, of this idea that there is a story inside the thing. Uh, and, and there's a real power in that. And, and I think I think that's the gift that the, the age doesn't matter. It, it's creating the, the time and space um, for it to be there. Um, and and my, I did have a question, if you have time, uh, Lloyd, which is, um, I just find it remarkable, like such a unique um, field uh, you're in with the idea of kind of you're catching people moments of grief. And I was just curious to hear, like, I mean, it sounds like you have these 10,000 reps kind of meeting people at some of the most tragic times of their life. How do you, like in all your experience, like, working with people in the midst of loss. I'm just curious to hear any anecdote or wisdom you've had over the years and how, like, how to best, how do you best approach or how have you best learned to approach someone in that place of loss where there, there's this tangible thing you're also trying to get done, but you're also kind of playing this therapeutic role. I was just curious to hear you expand on that because I, I find that really fascinating. Um. Everything that everybody here has said so far about you with your, your ring, with all the signs of the Zodiac um, and the teacups and the other things that people mentioned that remind them, the jewelry, the costume jewelry that Liz is wearing reminds them of the person that it belonged to, that they cared for. Um, I always, you know, I always say that I'm sorry for somebody's loss when I begin the conversation and they say what happened. Um, and I got into this business because I genuinely like stuff and Terry's been in my house. She knows this. Um, <laughs> and, and my home, first of all, everybody on my staff are all friends. I only hire people I know because I, I, I need to make sure that whoever I hire, I can trust to go into somebody's home and not steal anything. Um, and as my staff scatters to set up a sale, you start hearing this from different rooms. Oh my God, this is so cool. 
oh, this is great. As we discover these things, um, we're seeing them for the first time. And when the family's there, they hear this and they see this. Um, and and we, we all bond over their parents' stuff because we go, oh my God, this is amazing. And they go, oh, that was my mother's favorite dress. That was my father's favorite, you know, whatever book. And we're going, oh my God, this is amazing. And the, the people, the families who I deal with celebrate their parents' lives through the stuff their parents collected. And here's some people who are basically strangers come into their house and we're going, oh, this is so cool. This is great. And it sparks the story and the remembrance mm. from the family members. So consequently, and, and, and what I say when I think something is very cool and what my staff says, that's all spontaneous. It's all genuine. Um, and the family sees that. So, I mean, and there's stuff that literally um, where we have thought was great and, and the family member went, oh, we always thought that was just a piece of junk. And we go, no, 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 this is, you know, your father or your mother, they knew what they were doing when they bought this. This is actually really great. And this is why. So, you know, it, it celebrates, as I said before, <clears throat> excuse me, it celebrates their parents um, and their parents' life. <clears throat> and it puts it out into the world for other people to continue to celebrate. Um, and I think that's, that's just, that's what happens in the course of doing a sale. Well, that's a beautiful way for us to go to a close today. I just wanna remind folks, I put a few links in the chat. Um, the Peace Alliance brings you these Hope Story Circles. The Peace Alliance <laughs> is found at peacealliance.org. We have our podcasts. If you're listening on the podcast, Peace On is our podcast. You can link to it from the website. Um, we have a few other things there to take a look at. We are a small nonprofit. We appreciate donations of any size. So please go to peacealliance.org and donate. You can also look at the calendar of events for other things that are coming up. And Liz, do you want to wrap us up and bring us home? I do. Yeah, I. there were such rich conversations in the breakout rooms. I wish all of you had been with all of us in the breakout rooms. But what I, I think the invitation from this call is exactly what we said in the breakout room. If we just kind of look around, in addition to the things we named here, right? To just look around and just find something around that you can just concentrate on or focus on today and invite the story into your life. I'm looking at the smiles on everyone's faces on, on how this is. Yeah, so just on purpose kind of go out today and forward and just, Try to take a look. And if we're in someone else's home, maybe that's the, the S for today for us. But if we're in someone else's home and something catches our eye to maybe go out of our way, maybe we talk about how do we make the stories real, to just ask about something and see if there's a story that we could connect to. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. And thank you everyone for joining us today. And Lloyd, thank you so much for coming and telling your story. Thank you. So, thank you. My mind is bubbling up with things I want to move forward with from here. I have to tell you. You can come off mute and say goodbye, everybody.
Thank yeah. you so much. Uh, thanks, thanks for listening thank and sharing. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Lloyd. Oh my. Thank you for joining us today at Peace On. We hope that it inspires you to engage in dialogue in your larger community. Peace On is brought to you by the Peace Alliance, found at peacealliance.org.